Thanks for tuning in to today's Horsewoman podcast. Our show explores women in the horse industry as they share their dreams, challenges, successes. What drives these women? Well, let's find out. Hi, I'm Rose Cushing. I'm the hostess of today's Horsewoman podcast. And today our guest is Katie Worley. And Katie is a three-day eventer. So welcome to the show, Katie. Good morning. Welcome to everybody. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, typical horse story. Started riding when I was a kid. Um, got involved with a great local little barn that introduced me to eventing at a young age. Did a bunch of unrecognized horse trials. Um, was lucky enough to just through connections, meet up with Packy McGon, and he was my main trainer for, I don't know, probably from the age of 12 till I was about in my mid-20s. Um, taught me pretty much everything I know, got me up through advanced, all that sort of stuff, and worked with a couple other professionals since then, and primarily ride with Stephen Bradley at the moment. Nice. Uh, yeah. Very nice. So what, what drew you to eventing? Uh, probably the typical answer is, you know, cross-country, having a little bit of fun. Like, I, I totally respect dressage and the need for it to make my horses go better, but riding in a little white box all the time is a little too boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also a bit of a, not a huge fitness junkie personally, but kind of always in sports medicine and athletics. So I think I like the conditioning aspect of the eventers, you know, to get out of the ring and just being out in the terrain. Um, definitely find that a bit more intriguing. And I'm a big lover of the off-the-track thoroughbreds, and that's definitely their main avenue. It's probably the eventing over any of the other disciplines. Do you, it's just so thoroughbred is your breed of choice for this? Yes. Okay. Um, some of that was brought about by economics my family's always been supportive but they are not made of money right <laughs> so always going the less expensive route of um finding the racetrack rejects and teaching them to jump has definitely been a pleasure of mine so nice nice so tell me do, what services do you um provide at your barn do you do lessons or um, help people buy horses or um a little bit of everything i do not have lesson horses like everything in my barn is either a border in for training or in to be sold um do a little bit of everything i've done some rehab over the years i had one of my upper level horses break a leg so got involved in rehabbing that um but, yeah, so I travel off the farm and teach. I have a fair number of amateur clients um, and don't personally care if my clients show or not. Um, just out to help them improve their riding and their relationship with their horses. Um, but, yeah, so mostly teaching, training, and then my own competition goals. But we do have a couple boarders that are just that. They're boarders. Uh-huh. Um, so. and a little bit of everything. How did you say you got into sports medicine? I think I kind of fell into it. You know, I I was a pony club brat, so I got my A when I was 18. And I think through all of the 
research and learning I had to do to pass my different ratings in the horsemanship and, you know, the circulatory system and the respiration and really understanding injuries and how to handle stuff for the horses has got me involved in it with for the people. Um, so I, you know, went to college begrudgingly. I would have loved to have just, you know, gone off and done horses, but <laughs> thankfully my parents were smarter than that. Um, but I just, yeah, the anatomy and physiology and all those type of things have always just sort of come naturally to my brain. Um, so I basically went the sports medicine track, did a little bit of um, athletic trainer type stuff, and my degree was more geared towards the precursor for a physical therapy degree or chiropractic, things like that. Uh-huh. Um, but I... Uh, decided to come home and do horses, so I didn't end up following up with any of that, <laughs> but it's actually helped quite a bit with my teaching. One of my niches is definitely looking at a rider and figuring out the source of their crookedness or the source of their physical weakness, you know? Right. So it's helped with that a lot. So you're an advanced level eventer? It's been a while since I've had a horse at that level, but yeah, I've had to get all the way up to um, ranks, and I've had several horses get up through intermediate, um, hopefully getting my current one up there in a couple of weeks. So. Hey y'all, this is Lonnie from Mule City Specialty Feeds located in Benson, North Carolina. It's almost springtime. Is your horse blooming? Does your horse have a shiny coat and healthy hooves? How much extra time and money are you spending mixing supplements in the feed room when you could be enjoying your horse in the arena or out on the trail? Then look no further. Mule City Specialty Feeds has a line of equine feeds that delivers maximum nutrition. From your performance horse to your weekend trail horse, our line of maximum nutrition equine feeds offers five different complete balanced formulas that will take you out of the feed room and into the saddle. In addition to equine feeds, we also offer complete feeds for your barnyard pets and livestock. For more details, visit our website at mulecity.com, follow us on Facebook, or give us a call at 1-800-587-9229. And don't forget, Mule City delivers! So tell me what that's like to be at the advanced levels. Um... I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, there's, I think for me at least, I prefer to make my own horses. So all of mine were, you know, very young when I started with them and I brought them up a level, um, which, so it's always a great sense of accomplishment, has its own level of fear for sure. Um, but, I mean, they're big, they are, hard questions it is everything and more right <laughs> you know but it's nice to sort of be able to get there and get it done and I've always had you know at one point in time I was hopeful to get a horse to get around Kentucky I certainly would still do it if I came across having a horse that talented um but you know life goes on you get married you get divorced you have a kid you do things that just sort of derail you a little bit <laughs> sure life gets in the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> what do you look for in an, in an advanced eventing level prospect um a couple of key things for me i think are you know obviously you need the talent you need the scope you have to have the ability to jump that height 
um, and the endurance. But it's also a lot of, you know, the ones that they see their own fences, they see the path. You know, they're not just honest to the skinnies and the angles because you put them there. They jump the A element and they see the B and C element and they want to go get it done. Um, I don't think it's all that different than a good racehorse or any other athlete, you know. Uh-huh. Um, ironically enough, you're not so great winning racehorses, maybe off talent and speed, make good event horses, though, you know? Right. Um, so, right. they have to have a good work ethic, I think, is probably the primary. Because it is hard work, for sure. For sure. Is speed something you feel like you can teach them, or they have to have that as a natural gift? Um, I think for the inventing, you can do a lot to, I mean, manufacture, it might seem a bit strong, but let's face it, the warm bloods that are, or the crossbreds that are taking over the inventing world nowadays are not bred for speed. So you can definitely improve and teach their gallop to be better quality and cover better ground. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention the fact that, you know, the more rideable they are, again, going back to that flat work, the better their balance, the better their quality of gait and rideability, the tighter lines you can take, the more, you know, good balanced forward gallop you can take into your single fences um, and not have to back off from their speed. Um, so it is speed, but it's also quality and the consistency. You know, you always, Packy always say, you always want to land going as fast as you took off, if not faster. So, like, you know, as long as you can land and in that second step get that horse back in front of your leg and covering the ground. Right. Um, does a lot for getting it on the clock. Right. I, You know, I, I'm very familiar with Western, but not so much with English things. And I know in the barrel racing world, a lot of them tell me that they want something with good sense. They can teach them to be fast. I was just curious if that was sort of the same um, type of idea. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I'd say so to an extent because you can teach a horse to land and move faster. You can teach them to cover the ground better. If they're not smart enough to be careful with their front legs, that's not, I mean, you can improve that, but you can't, you know, the one thing I will say about eventing is it is across topography and different grounds. No matter how good you are, how experienced you are, you're going to miss or you're going to have a miscommunication at some point in time where that horse better be smart enough to retract a limb however they need to to keep you and them safe. Right, <laughs> right, right. definitely can't teach that instinct. That's true, <laughs> very true. So what level do you ride now? Are you like a four-star or five-star? Um, I do not have a horse capable or qualified for the four-star or five-star at this point in time. I have a two-star horse at the moment who is getting ready to move up to intermediate, um, and she's also going to be going on the market. So if I still have her, I'll hopefully get some intermediates done and a three-star. Uh-huh. Um, but she may end up getting, you know, sold to a amateur. Um, before that happens, um, my last upper level horse um, basically went around the four star level before he retired. Okay. So. Now you've accomplished very uh, so many things in your life. What's left on your bucket list? Um, I, I don't know. I think I guess as I approach this part of my life, some of it goes away from horses in the sense of you know wanting to have a life and get my 
some things done with my son. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, being a good mom. But I, I would like to get back to successful three-star level and maybe an advanced horse if I get a chance. Um, that would definitely be a goal of mine if I can balance it with everything else. How old is your son? He is nine and a half. Does he ride? No, he does not. He's very funny. He has not much interest in getting on the horses, but he very much considers my retired upper-level horse his horse. There you go. It is a battle if I call him my horse. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So he he does love the horses, but he doesn't have much interest in riding. Well, there's a whole lot of things you can do with a mother than ride, thank goodness. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, one thing I always ask people uh, to tell us, the horse industry is a really tough place to make a living. So for women coming in into our industry, what kind of advice would you give them as to how to be successful? Um, I think some of it is probably business sense for women across the board, not just the equine world. Like I do feel that we dare I say it, as a gender, tend to devalue ourselves only in the sense of we'll be hesitant to up our rates or charge somebody more, even though it's taking us more time. Mm -hmm. And it's hard when you're breaking into an industry, you obviously are starting down at the lower rungs and you have to charge based on your experience and your, you know, value as an instructor or trainer. But you know, I think we need to be less hesitant to insist and be willing to say, nope, you know what, that's not worth my time financially because um, we spread ourselves too thin. But at that same point, I think there's ways to be successful in the equine world while still doing other stuff. Like, I do not rely solely on my equine income to pay my bills. Um, I do have other jobs I do, um, and it is possible to be successful when you're not doing horses completely full-time. So, I, agree. I think the most thing is just to look ahead and don't spread yourself so thin that you can't recover from it. <laughs> right, right. I always tell people myself, little streams of income are a big resource. <laughs> oh, yes, Absolutely. Definitely so. So tell everybody how they can find you and follow you or take lessons. Yeah. Um, I do have a website that's my um, just my name, katieworley.com, for that stuff. Um, I also have a Katie Worley Equestrian page on Facebook. Uh, my lovely PR people at Mythic Landing Enterprises have all sorts of stuff, I'm sure, on Instagram and whatnot. But I definitely one of those things for staying successful is pay somebody else to do stuff you don't know how to do. Very smart. <laughs> social media, you can find me pretty much everywhere, but I don't necessarily know all the addresses. Um, definitely links to all my sponsors there too, you know, Voltaire, um, Design, Battery, and you know, Medica Equine, and um, MedVet Pharmaceuticals. All those great companies um, have done a lot to support me. So. And I see on your website your social media links, so they can just go to that and find everything. Yes, yeah, there's Twitter, there's everything. I'm just, I, 
I'm old school that way and I'm not very up to date in the digital world. Well, social media is a skill all its own. You're smart to pay somebody else. Yes. <laughs> well, I Definitely. have really enjoyed talking to you this morning. Um, thank okay. you so much for being on the show. And when you, we hope to have a chance to talk to you again soon. Perfect. Sounds great. Appreciate being invited. It was lovely. Thank you. And for you out there listening, as always, we thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Our souls wander in similar places. Even though we may not know each other, we touch the same wind, we walk under the same sky, and our hearts wander in the same dreams. We are one, women just like you and me. Thank you for listening.